Welcome to Scary Savannah and Beyond. You can't do that. You're not from Texas. I know that, and you know that, but they don't know that. I'm pretty sure they do, well, <laughs> since we tell them all the time. Well, this is true, but I'm just going to have to remind you of the words of our great American hero, who was quoted as saying, A man's gotta do what a man's gotta do. Are you going to keep flashing this picture up the whole time? I know it. You always do. No, I'm not at all going to flash. But, whoa, what do you know? There it goes again. Ha, it's almost like too easy, really, right? Apparently. Apparently. So how's it going on the home front, little messy? (laughs) Just because I let you do another Old West story does not mean you can be John Wayne. Sure it does. I can see you've been practicing with your accent. Not at all. (laughs) This is how I just talk. So tell me, little Missy, how has this week been going for you? It's been pretty good. We had to drive to North Carolina to pick up my mother because we're going to take her with us to the wedding of our daughter. That was an eventful trip. I enjoyed every second of being in traffic with a woman who drives between 85 and 96,000 miles an hour. Oh, you drove there. I drove home. So we got home a little faster than we got there. Yes, it took us about six and a half hours to get there. And we got home and what was it, about 20, 30 minutes? <laughs> Probably four and a half hours. Oh, look, there's John Wayne again. Again? Again. He's, he's representing freedom, which is what you did when you didn't obey the <laughs> laws of the land. I do not. So what are you going to tell me about? Well, this episode's going to be about, there he is again. Oh my gosh. Are you ever going to get tired of putting that picture up? No, no, no. I, I feel like everybody's probably seen it enough, but I will never get tired of it. Well, if you're not watching on YouTube, he keeps flashing a picture of John Wayne. And you think an I'm going to do flag. it right now. It makes sense for me to do it right now, wouldn't it? No. Yeah, but that's why I'm not going to do it. So, because I flashed so many pictures of the great American patriot, John Wayne. And because you're also wearing a cowboy shirt and hat for some reason. I am. This is just what I I grabbed out of the closet when I got out of the shower. Oh, is that it? You know me. You know, this is true. I don't think you'd pair that with those shorts, but. What are you talking about? (laughs) We live on an island. Of course I would pair it with these shorts. I would look perfectly normal in any bar. I'm really regretting letting you write a story. As well you should. All right, well, tell me what your story is going to be about. So we're talking about the Old West again this week, and we've got a couple of stories. I don't know what she's got, but I imagine it's going to be crazy. You're going to like it. This story is about the home of Jesse James. So he's one of the most famous outlaws in the history of famous outlaws, the one and only Jesse James. He's right up there with Billy the Kid. And Turkey Creek Jack Johnson. Johnson, (laughs) For the 12 of you in the world who are not familiar with Jesse James, he was an American outlaw who was best known for streamlining railroad efficiency by removing extra weight from the trains in order to speed them up. And of course, by removing extra weight, I mean he stole lots of money from trains. That's one way to spin it. He's a train robber is what I'm saying. Yeah, I get it. He was born in 1847 and was the leader of the James Younger Gang. That's a nice name for a gang. I like it. It could just as easily be a country band, right? Yeah, yeah. these days they'd be doing something like that. 
the James Younger Band. Now on tour with Zach Bryan and <laughs> various other Some artists. Other random... Some of the third artists with three names. It's the well, they both have two names: Zach Bryan, James Younger, <laughs> James Younger Gang. Actually, that'd probably be a bluegrass band. If you drop the gang part yeah. of it, then it would be a country artist. Jesse has a really interesting story, which we should do on an upcoming future episode. But suffice it to say, he lived a very active and dangerous lifestyle. Somehow I feel if I let you write a story about Jesse James' life, you're going to work in a picture of John Wayne. Oh, there it goes again. (laughs) Near the end of his life, Jesse's gang was all but annihilated. And two of the gang members, known as the Ford Brothers, which included Charlie and Robert, were the only ones he trusted. In 1881, Jesse moved his family to St. Joseph, Missouri, very close to the home that he was born in. And the homestead we're talking about is the subject of this story. It's called the Jesse James Farm, and it's located in Kearney, Missouri. Isn't that a quaint-looking little home? It is very quaint. Doesn't look like there would be anything about that that would be Haunted by spirits of the dead, right? It doesn't, actually. (laughs) Jesse James himself was murdered. So I'm going to give away the whole ending of Jesse James' story, but I figured you'd probably have guessed that. I pretty much knew that. (laughs) I think everyone does. He lived the life of an outlaw and ended his life like an outlaw does. Down in a glaze of... (laughs) Down in a glaze of glory (laughs) is how it happened. Down. Down in a blaze of glory. Yeah, just like John Van Halen told us <laughs> in the Bon-Jemi. story from the 1780s. Yeah. John Van Halen. <laughs> John Van Jovi. John, yes. John Van That's it. That's what it, is, little guys? Missy right there. As I said, Jesse James was murdered, but not here. But it was not that far away where he actually was killed. At the, so like on the same property? It's not on like the same a, property. It's in the relatively the same area. It's near there. It's in the same country. The reason I bring <laughs> it up is because it has something to do with this story. Okay. What actually happened and where it happened. Okay. And Jesse was at one time buried on this property. So it does got that going for it, you know? It's a surefire way to get yourself a haunting. Indeed. He's not currently there, though, at least in body, because he was, after the fact, removed and reinterred at the Mount Olivet Cemetery. Jesse's brother, Frank, eventually gave himself up to the authorities because, you know, they were wanted. They were all members of that gang. He was in the gang. He was in the gang. But he didn't get convicted of his crimes somehow. Must have known the right people. I guess maybe they didn't have enough concrete DNA evidence back then when it happened. So he lived the rest of his life on this farm that we're talking about and even ended up charging patrons for tours of the home. Oh, so he's a go-getter. He was quite the entrepreneur. Yeah. Can you imagine taking a tour of the Jesse James youth homestead given by his brother, brother, who was also in the gang? (laughs) That would have been crazy. They even offered a unique souvenir opportunity when Jesse was still buried on the site. His grave would have rocks on top of it. And Frank would charge visitors a whopping quarter to take a rock from the top of the grave. That's probably a lot of money back then. Though. Yeah, I'm reckoning that's probably somewhere in the vicinity of two to $300,000 a piece. <laughs> and I bet the they came and got them you. every single day. Yeah, you didn't do the 
math, did you? I never do the math. Okay. Don't ask me to do the math. Okay. Here's a picture of the plot with uh, stones similar as to what you would have seen then. So you see how, you know, they had plenty of money opportunities. Yeah, like just go dig up a bunch of rocks. These are That's worth a quarter of a piece, boys. Yeah. The smarker is still located on the farm. Although his body is not there, they've they've got him. I don't Maybe know if it's the original marker, but it's it's the marker. How do they? How can they prove he's not there? I assume there's they some just, sort of records indicating yeah, that he they was reinterred. Those. Yeah, maybe he was never how there. Accurate. Maybe everything was maybe a ploy to get him out of being. He could be alive today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he faked his own death, and he's still living. Well, you were probably alive when this happened, since we've discussed many times how you are a vampire and were Miss America in 19, what, 06? 1926. So you probably would have been, you know, 80, 90 years old when he was alive and your actual age. I may have actually run across him one day on a train. Yeah, a little tyke. Probably when he's a baby in yeah. a little baby seat going <laughs> because in they a train. Had baby because seats. that's what they did back then, yeah. right? Put them in baby seats. And since the farm has had such close ties to some infamous outlaws, murder, and robberies, not to mention other tragic occurrences, it makes sense that the location is, of course, haunted. Your bewildered look of awe tells me all (laughs) I need to know. Because, of course, it is haunted. Of course it is. Some of the reports from this house include people seeing lights inside the building turn on well after it's been locked up for the night, which is standard ghost fare, right? So is it like a museum type deal now? It seems to be a museum where you can go and visit the yard. So no one lives there. They have no, no. They have reconstructions mm-hmm. of like slave quarters and things like that. Well, that like I a noticed. very small place to have slave quarters. Well, it's sort of a shack. Yeah, is what it is. Uh, okay. No, I mean the slave quarters is literally oh, so not, a little oh, shack. Okay, okay. Now I don't know if they own slaves. I don't know if it was indicative of what that looked like at the time frame, mm-hmm. but I just saw it on a video that I'm about to talk about in just a minute. Okay. There are also some claims of movement being able to be seen as if someone or something is active in the building, although it doesn't get picked up by their security system. So those motion activated things aren't going off, even though people claim to see movement. How do you, what do you make of that? Ghosts are very tricky. You know this from personal experience? Yes. They don't want to be seen. They ain't going to be seen. Yeah, if they don't want to be seen, they're not going to. They know how to manipulate electronics. Members of the staff have reported feelings of being watched while at work in the homestead and that they can feel a very distinct and powerful presence joining them that they don't see, of course. What is it, like join them for dinner? I was assuming that they were playing like a hand of Pharaoh or oh, something, okay. yeah. you know, and he just showed up and be like, Are deal you me gonna, in. <laughs> yeah, deal me in. We're going to do stand there and bleed. <laughs> How did we not review Tombstone for this movie? I thought we already did. We must have already reviewed it. But when we get to the movie, you'll understand why I wanted to do this whole episode. It's said that on especially foggy mornings, you can hear the sounds of hushed voices and the movement of horses can be heard coming from the direction of some nearby woods. So how far away is it from other houses? Pretty far. 500 miles. Okay. That's ask an exaggeration. Many, ask too many questions about logistics. You I'm just saying, know like, could it, I don't know the answers to these I'm just questions. I'm saying, is it like our house? If our neighbor had a horse, yeah, you'd be able to hear it. I'm saying <laughs> that I have no idea. Okay, so I'm guessing there are no nearby horses. 
There are no horses on the scene when this happens okay. in the physical realm okay. because people don't typically ride around on horses nowadays, well, even some if they are. people in the country do. Who have you ever met transports themselves on a horse? <laughs> I haven't met them, but people do that. I mean, yes, of course, people ride horses, but who have you seen that just showed up like at the sandbar and rode in on a horse? Oh, that wouldn't surprise that me would one bit. That would be so cool, though. I mean, I'm surprised had, nobody's done we've that. We've had a parrot in there before and parakeets. and. Well, they didn't ride in on Dogs. We go sometimes, they're dogs sitting well, at the bar having a drink. Literally at the bar, literally sitting, sitting there, up. sunglasses on, yeah. in a shirt, with a drink. Yeah. Probably paying the tab, too. Probably they Probably have picking one, the yeah. tab up. Yeah, so that wouldn't surprise me. Invariably, when someone goes to investigate the sounds of the horses, there's never any evidence that horses had ever even existed there. Because ghost horses is what I'm saying. If you like ghost horses, wait till you hear my story. I'm a big fan of ghost horses, <laughs> which is also sounds like a great band to be on that bill with the James Younger gang. I like that. Ghost Horses. Featuring the James Younger gang. <laughs> I don't know who got top bill in there, though. It's a well-known fact by experts in the paranormal field that ghost horses are excellent at hiding their tracks. They must be. If you were as well-versed in this particular subject as I am, because I've done many, many countless hours of study into ghost horses, you would understand this one as well as I do. I'm only an expert in bird law. No, that's Charlie Day. <laughs> Although I do think that they should teach bird law in community college. I think they should. We go take that class. We were talking about just randomly going taking a math class <laughs> at a community college because I was, we were just riding in the car and, you know, sometimes she just calls me the wonder. And I was sitting there and I was like, what is calculus? And what is algebra? And what I'm is- like, what do you do with calculus? I mean, what, what does it do? Is what is its power? Yeah, so we're like, we should go take some classes. And I told her that would be a terrible idea, which is probably why we should go do it. I could sit in there. I didn't even pass Algebra 2 in high school. The teacher basically just gave me a passing grade because she didn't want to be failing me, which I appreciate, but I didn't deserve a D. <laughs> you got a D and that's passing. Whatever was the minimum grade she could give me and pass me out of her class is the grade that she I gave think me. these days you have to get a C to pass. Well, not back in always, 1996, I have never Crystal. gotten a C or a D, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> I've never gotten saying, a C or a D on anything. I haven't. Even a paper no, or a test. It's always not. 90 plus, at least. It better be. <laughs> or your mom won't do anything about it. You would torture well, no, yourself. it was me that held myself to that standard. She just expected it because that's what I always did. I had no standards. Still don't <laughs> I have would no write standards. Write my homework at night, and if I didn't like the handwriting, if it wasn't good enough, I'd rewrite it. You balled on my up, own. throw it away, yeah. rewrite it. Yeah, no one you, told me to do it. You're like I just into self punishment, I guess. I just wanted it to be perfect. Which is why you're with me. <laughs> exactly. I'm into punishing myself. <laughs> but the thing I found that was most interesting about this particular home was something some paranormal investigator discovered from it when she was doing a investigation at the site. You remember that I said Jesse was murdered? I remember. Well, can you guess who might have done it? I've got two guesses. Either his brother or his fellow gang members that he trusted. Well, trust is 
a mighty fine word, little missy, because he did trust his brother. But I imagine he might have trusted the one that killed him the most, even more. And that'd be the Ford brothers. Aha, I got it right. You almost guessed it, right, John Wayne? (laughs) It seems there truly is no honor among thieves. And the way that Jesse was murdered, he was shot in the back of the head while adjusting a dusty picture frame in his home, which is exactly how I think you're probably going to go out. Probably. Well, now I'll probably fall while I'm trying to clean something because I literally almost kill myself on a regular basis. But it's always going to involve cleaning. Somehow there will be a tragic accident that will involve a dusty picture frame, probably (laughs) on the 13th floor of you know, a balcony that for some reason someone hung off the edge at the beach or something. Well, speaking of that, I'll tell you a story when we get to Patreon about how I almost died recently. Okay. okay. That's interesting. I want to hear about how you almost died. No, I literally did. Perfect. <laughs> so why did the why did they murder him? That is a mystery. Oh. People have guesses. Was there money involved, I'm guessing? There's always money involved. Okay. There's always money involved. But getting shot in the back of the head by somebody that you trust is kind of a low-life way to go out, even for these people. Mm -hmm. I guess they must have been scared of him, though, as I'm sure he had quite the reputation and didn't want to face him head-on. I get kind of strong Han Solo vibes from him. It's like if they drew down on him while they faced him, he might have pulled a Greedo on them. Oh, okay. Because, you know, in the original Star Wars, Han shot first. Then they had to edit it in later that Greedo shot first to justify Han shooting him. But that's not how it happened in the original. Han just shot him, and then he shot. How do you uh, feel about that? Well, it sounds like him. He was a scoundrel. Yes, but he couldn't have been. a. That's how seriously they took characters back then. They said, we got to change this. We can't make it look like that he yeah. did something wrong. Yeah. And now look at him. Now look at him. <laughs> now look at the movie. Yeah. Anyhow, a paranormal investigator who goes by the name on YouTube of Soul Searching did an investigation at the farm. One of the things that people weren't completely sure of is why the Ford brothers killed Jesse. Oh, okay. So, good question. Although, after they did it, they did go on to do paid reenactments of the murder at publicity events. Oh, they weren't put in jail? Or why not? He was a wanted man. Now, maybe they didn't well, know who they were. they? I guess they got away with it. <laughs> so maybe know. they wanted the bounty on his head. That's that's a potential thing. Okay. I don't think that was uh, paid out. I will link the video in question in the show notes, and it's about 20 minutes long. She's walking around the farm and doing EVPs and using the REM pod to try to talk to whatever may be haunting the place. The most interesting thing I heard was when she had the REM pod on a picnic table that's outside of the farm. Now, you know how EVPs work. They usually sound like a mess of sounds with no real clarity until someone comes along and assigns them some sort of meaning. At least that's my experience with EVPs. Yeah, once you say what you think it says, everyone can hear that as well. It's like it pops right out. It's like the words start making sense. But when she's asking some questions, she gets this response. What do you believe? Coward Ford got greedy. So did you hear it clearly on the EVP? It's one of those kind of things where it's like after I I had the the words are popping up on the screen as it happens. So Uh obviously your brain's going to try to piece it together. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's saying that. Maybe they're picking up a Mexican radio station. (laughs) I heard you playing that earlier when I walked by. 
Miller Shortwave Radio, I yeah. pick up the station that makes me think about going and eating at our favorite restaurant, mm-hmm. which is named after the movie that we watched. Yeah, it all's coming together. Yeah, I don't know if it's named after it. They just have the same name. Maybe it's a popular name. I don't know. It probably but is. It could be. So if this voice is to be believed, then it sort of solves one of the mysteries that he did it because he was greedy. Well, that's most logical. Which is now unbelievable, right? (laughs) I mean, a notorious thief and gang member being greedy? Never. I recommend checking the video out, and you can get sort of a feel for the location as she walks around the place, and it's an interesting place. And then you can ask yourself, what do you think? Are the voices on her video and the stories true? And if so, why have we yet to go there? I didn't know it existed until you told me about it today. Well, now you do. No, I do. It's on the list of places that we'll never go to, but we'll talk about going to. Yeah, you like to talk about going places, and I'll just have to say yes, and then you'll forget about them. I tell you to like do that. Like a small that. child. I do. I tell you that when we went to pick up your mom, I said, I'm going to tell you that I want to go to thrift stores. And you're like, we ain't going to have time to go to thrift stores. We ain't going to have time. Oh, we and, didn't. And you and you got like kind of upset about it. And I'm like, no, we're not going to actually go. Just tell me yes and let me plan it and think I'm going there. I'm like a child. You just pacify my immediate need and then I'll just forget about it and it won't be a problem. Well, we did go to one. And we didn't find anything. And you were like upset the whole time because you're like, I'm missing the Braves game. It was a waste of time. We didn't buy anything. And they they didn't have anything interesting. I almost bought a keyboard from 1987. Thank goodness you did. That probably didn't even work. Probably not. And we don't need a keyboard. I need all the keyboards. (laughs) So that's going to be the end of that story. And now I think Crystal's got one to talk about. So what's going on with your Haunted West stories? Is it some nefarious grave robbing train-stealing, kidnapping scoundrel of the Old West. It is exactly that. Well, tell me all about it. (laughs) I'm going to tell you about ghost camels. Ghost camels. Did you know that we have camels in the United States other than in zoos? I'm I'm trying to figure out why this isn't a grave-robbing cowboy and it's a ghost camel. It's much more interesting than that. It's a camel. Yes. And it's a ghost. Yes. Say no more. Back in 1848, isn't this about the same time as Jesse James? Yeah, it's in the same two or three hundred year period. (laughs) So what you're saying is that Jesse James himself likely rode on a ghost camel. Yes, I'm tying these two stories together. Perfect. There was a man named Henry Wayne. No relation to John Wayne, as far as I know. You're making me post the picture again. (laughs) Maybe they are related. He was quite a visionary. He was the quartermaster major of the War Department, and he was brainstorming one day and had the great idea of importing camels to help out the military. Sounds like there's nothing go wrong with this plan. Camels are extremely strong. They can carry double the weight of horses. They can travel long distances without much water. They don't get tired as easily as horses. So he was like, yeah, horses are out, camels are in. Makes sense to me. He even suggested the camels could be used to deliver mail. Maybe that's what happened to our mailbox the other day. Got knocked over. Bro, camel come flying <laughs> up on been. two wheels and just slammed into it, knocked over the mailboxes. Them camels are real bad about that, I've heard. <laughs> the idea didn't go over well at first. It seems no one in charge wanted a bunch of stinky camels hanging around. Camels However, stink? Yes. Mm. However, some people liked the idea 
and California newspapers started publishing stories about how great it would be to have camels in the military. The powers that be reluctantly agreed, and in 1854, they took $30,000, which is around $942,000 today, and ordered themselves 70 camels, and the U.S. Camel Corps was born. I wonder if there was like a mail-order catalog you could get camels from, like mail-order brides. Maybe, or like fountains. <laughs> it's like right beside the, the fountain over in Forsyth Park. There's like, well, on page six is where you buy your military camels. Yeah. Actually, what I read was the guy had to get a boat, and he had to go all over the place, and he collected them from different places. And they had to hire two Arab camel trainers to come back with them to help them learn how to take care of them because they wanted them to be well taken care of so that they could or if these guys were actually certified camel trainers or if they just ran up on somebody that was dressed like they thought fit the part (laughs) and they're like do you train camels and they're like (laughs) hired well one of the guys name was high jolly and he actually lived in the united states the rest of his life and he has a monument and everything he was an Arab camel trainer. An Arab camel trainer. Yeah. He's good. Also sounds like it could be on the bill with the James Younger gang. Yes. His name was High Jolly. High Jolly and Ghost Camel. Yeah. Camels are quite fascinating, actually. I was reading all about them. They can run up to 40 miles per hour. That's really fast. That's in short bursts. They can... Like 12 inches? No, a little longer than that. But then they run on average like 25 miles per hour. They are different from other mammals in many ways. I've heard, I've always heard that they store water in those humps. Isn't that what you heard? That's what cartoons would tell yeah. you, but I don't doubt that's true. It's actually fat, and that fat holds extra water. So when they use that, they metabolize that, they're getting more water. Than oh, they so would it's not technically 100% yeah. incorrect then. This is a lot. This is what allows them to go for long periods of time without food and water. They can go about 10 days without water at all. They have many features that allow them to survive harsh conditions. They have a thick coat that insulates them from the heat. So you'd think that would make them hotter, but it doesn't. That's why in all these movies you see people out in the sun, they're wearing all these big layers of clothing. Apparently, layering clothing like clothing helps keep you cool. I guess maybe the fur works in the same way. In the summer, their coat lightens and actually reflects the sunlight, which keeps them a little cooler and keeps them from getting sunburned. I had never thought about animals having the potential to be sunburned. Look how cute cute? this thing is. They're very cute. I bet they're mean. Oh, get to that. (laughs) Their long legs keep them further from the hot ground. It's another way to keep them cooler. And it's somehow about the way they sit. Their upper body is raised up. So like air flows underneath them, kind of like a little air conditioning. Oh, so they're Mm self-ventilating. How convenient. I know. Camel's mouths have a thick leather-like layer that lets them eat thorny desert vegetation. So oh. they're just like Well, that is very interesting. Like they're built for this particular mm-hmm. scenario you're laying out. And it's just going to be so entertaining when I find out why it went so horrifically wrong. <laughs> when they breathe out, water vapor goes into their nostrils, then is reabsorbed. So that's another way they conserve water. They're very excellent. So it's almost like these things could be used in any environment. I yeah. wonder if they could operate as submarines. They can get very cold, too. Like they can handle... More drastic weather changes than um, that would kill most animals. So they could just show up like out in Antarctica walking no, around. No, I don't think they could get that cold. <laughs> well, they got leathery mouths. <laughs> That'll help. They also have the ability to close their nostrils to keep the sand out. So, they so maybe they can dive. Maybe they are they, maybe submarine-like. They could. 
Basically, camels seem superior in every way to, to horses. So this seems like a great idea. This is the perfect example of on paper. Yeah. <laughs> this looks great. But this little experiment didn't go as planned. It seems that camels are quite grumpy. They can be downright nasty, even spitting when they feel slighted. They also sound like bullies because they would often frighten the horses. Oh, no. They also have something in common with you. They're wanderers, but the other kind. They have a tendency to just wander right off oh, at night. Oh, the A, not the yeah. O. Yeah. <laughs> They'll just so, wander right yeah, off. Yeah, they wander off. Is it then, wandering or is it just like, ah, I'm tired of this mess yeah, and, and I leave? you can't catch them. You can't? No. Are they so just too fast? Yeah. You can't get on a horse and chase them down, uh-uh. but you don't have a horse because all the horses well, are gone because you got used, camels. They still used horses, but they would be gone by the time the soldiers woke up. So then they couldn't. They're off them. in Antarctica now. They ain't got time for this whole military mail delivering party. <laughs> They're looking for something to do that doesn't involve that. Soldiers were not big fans of these beasts. They were like, "Camels are out, horses are back in." Well, if you recall. On the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade movie, when Indy tells Sala to go out there and get some horses, he says, no camels. Yes. You remember that? Yes, because they're mean. Apparently, Indy doesn't like camels either. They're very mean sometimes. The government tried to make it work anyway because they had spent $30,000 after all. So they continued using camels until the Civil War broke out. And they were like, camels got to go. So did they have camels running around in the Civil War? They did still use them. I've never seen a picture with a camel like Abraham Lincoln riding <laughs> up to the Gettysburg Address on a camel. Um, there's a picture of Robert E. Lee with one, I believe. It just makes sense that it was mm-hmm. Robert E. Lee mm-hmm. on a camel. Well, it, it seems like they just didn't have the funds to support it as the war was tearing the country apart. So they just abandoned the whole thing. So they didn't even have to like get rid of the camels. They basically just got off of the camels, walked away, maybe smoked a cigarette, cooked some <laughs> dinner. And by the time they turned around, the camels have wandered away already. And well, what then they it's did problem. was they sold the camels at auction. And the ones they didn't sell, they just turned them loose into the deserts of the Southwest. <laughs> Bye, camels. Well, they were just going to go anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. In the following years, rogue camels were sometimes spotted roaming the desert, but not all of them were alive. Ah, so here's where the table turns mm-hmm. on the other shoe. In 1883, the body of a woman was found trampled to death in the desert. Near her body was a bush with a large clump of red fur. There were also large hoof prints in the area. This is sounding suspicious. Your detective mind must be hard at work trying to figure out what mm-hmm. could have possibly caused this to happen. Not long after this incident, two miners were sleeping in a tent when some large creature came barreling into the side of it. Is this proof of Bigfoot? I thought so at first, but it's hoofs, not her hooves, not feet. They didn't get a good look at it as it fled, but there were the telltale hoof prints in the sand. Wow, oh, it sounds like stuff starting to link together. It sounds like camels are still around. <laughs> Locals started putting two and two together and determined it had to be one of those roving camels. Sightings increased among locals and prospectors in the area. One day, a rancher got a good look at the beast as it zoomed by, and he swore that the camel had a rider. But it looked like the rider was dead. Of course it is. You knew this is where this was going. Shortly thereafter, a group of prospectors was hanging out in the desert when a camel ran by. They saw something fall off of its back as he continued on to do whatever it is that camels do. They wander. The prospectors ran over to inspect the dropped object and found it was a human skull. Oh, my. Do you think that the camel had had it in its mouth and was just chewing on it as it ran by and it fell out? Or maybe 
the skull was all that was left of the original rider that was just sort of hanging off the yeah, seat. Yeah, it was just disintegrating. Or do you think maybe it's possible that the skull was just laying on the ground and the camel kicked it as he ran by and they said that fell off the camel? We'll find out. <laughs> Sightings continued for years and they dubbed him the Red Ghost. Fitting. Also on the way, Bill. But that ended when a farmer caught the Red Ghost chowing down in his garden. He shot and killed old Red. That's what we always do. We see it, we kill it. Shoot first, ask questions later. When they inspected the fallen beast, they didn't find the dead body of the rider, but there were leather straps tied to the saddle that had held the body on it for years. I guess he just eventually disintegrated into pieces and nothing was left of the rider. So this camel... Rider died somehow, probably out. from exposure. I We're guess maybe. Out. So why would a red camel be running around the desert carrying a corpse? Tell me. One legend says that there was a soldier who was afraid of camels, so his fellow soldiers decided to tie him on top of a camel so he could conquer his fears. However, the camel took off with the soldiers, and the others couldn't catch him. They must have tied those leather straps really well, because it seems to me like I'd try to get off of there. But where are you going to go once you're in the middle of the desert? Maybe he was trying to get a handle on the camel and he thought he could and it just it just got out of control. And somehow he got his head hit on a tree branch out in the middle of nowhere in a desert. This must be it. Totally it. Like <laughs> a wayward cactus hit him in the head and knocked him out. By the time he came to, it's like just him and the camel and it's all he can do to stay alive. Sightings of the Red Ghost and his rider continue to this day throughout the deserts of Arizona. But you told me they shot that camel, so how are they still seeing it? Well, they're seeing his ghost. He was an actual camel. It's a ghost. He was real. The camel was real back then, and the rider was dead. Okay, so the rider was already dead. So they saw the camel with the rider originally, while the camel was still alive. Yes, this was one of the camels. So the camel was still alive, Mm -hmm. and there was a ghost of the rider on Mm -hmm. the camel. Then the camel got killed, and the ghost rider was gone. But now the camel is a ghost. They're both ghosts. And the ghost is a ghost. Yes. So the ghost of the ghost and the ghost of the camel have joined forces to carry on the legend of the red camel. Yeah, they got to keep up appearances. Oh, I mean, it just seems really simple to me. I got Mm -hmm. it. Surprisingly, the red ghost is not the only ghost camel that roams the desert. There was a prospector named Jake who bought three of these camels from the U.S. Army. Jake was very fond of the animals despite their attitudes, and he took very good care of them. Jake finally struck gold one day, and he was very excited to tell people about it. That sounds like the never, first never thing you don't idea. do. It's like if you win the lottery yeah. and you got a lot of money, you don't tell anybody. You never tell. You don't even tell your wife. Oh, you don't. You don't. Not until you're in Puerto Rico. <laughs> Together? Yeah. <laughs> he headed to town and was having a few drinks at the bar, excited about his luck. And you know what happens when you drink? You tend to talk too much. Well, that is true. Maybe he didn't intend mm-hmm. to go and give the spill the beans mm-hmm. about it. Unfortunately, a seedy character named Paul Adams was hanging on Jake's every word. Jake was smart, though, and he didn't go directly back to his claim. He intentionally went roaming around, making sure no one was following him, and he set up camp, but not at his claim site. Yeah. But Paul Adams was lurking in the distance, and after waiting for Jake to fall asleep, he snuck up and murdered Jake. I can just see my snottily whiplash. He said, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, except for the murder part, I don't think snottily murdered anybody, but it's, you know. Jake's camels were not happy about this and attacked Paul Adams. One of them bit him. And in return, Adams shot and killed the camel. What a scoundrel. I know. 
It was only then that Paul Adams realized he had been tricked. There was no gold near the encampment. He searched in vain all over the area. When out of nowhere, the ghost of the camel he had shot came charging at Paul. On the ghost camel's back was Jake. A hundred percent believe this story without question. <laughs> the camel chased Mr. Adams all the way into town and right to the sheriff's office. He was so frightened by the ghosts of both his murder victims that he confessed on the spot. Wow. So next time we're in the Arizona desert, let's keep a lookout for old Jake and his dromedary. Maybe they'll show us where that gold is. Dromedary. That's a word I use in regular conversation. I want to be fancy. <laughs> dromedary. I thought that was a good... So I have a question. If this story was true mm-hmm. and you're a guy that's going to go out in the wilderness mm-hmm. or the desert or wherever it is desert. with the intention of finding the gold claim, and you're going to murder the guy anyway, and presumably you have a gun because it says he shot something. Yeah. The camel, Jake. The camel. Why not make Jake wake up, take you to the gold. Exactly. And then shoot him. Well, I said Jake was smart, but I didn't say Paul was smart. Well, he was a scoundrel and a cat, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But he got what was coming to him, and I imagine some of that prairie frontier justice. <laughs> it was. Hopefully administered by dromedary. It was. You're just making that up. No. Well, they probably let the other two camels bite him. Or eat him. Like the <laughs> pigs do. Just feed him to the camels. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for the Old West portion of the show. Until now, when we get to the... Insert graphic here. Perfect. It's been so long, I almost it's been forgot. so long, she don't even know <laughs> what she's talking about. What, what we're watching. watching. So this week, we're going to talk about one of my favorite movies of all time. And it makes sense because of the subject matter of this episode. We're going to be talking about the 1959 Western Rio Bravo. And as you might expect from a John Wayne movie, because of course it's a John Wayne movie, the synopsis from IMDb goes a little something like this. And this is the most simplest synopsis I've ever seen okay, for a movie. it's like one sentence. It's one sentence, but it's perfectly accurate. A small town sheriff. Actually, you know what? Let's do it like John Wayne Yeah, would do why are it. you not reading it in your John Wayne voice? A small town sheriff in the American West unless the help of a disabled man, a drunk, and a young gunfighter in his efforts to hold in jail the brother of the local bad guy. Does it get any more Western, Western John Wayne. Than that? No. <laughs> so this movie is is a Western and it's almost like a buddy film and it's got several stars in it a besides John Wayne. It's like a buddy comedy, western drama oh, kind of thing because it's got the three of them that are so working Martin. together with a goal. And why don't you tell us who's in this movie? Yeah, so it's Dean Martin and John Wayne, of course, and Ricky Nelson, who was very popular back in the 50s before he died. Yes, he was, was like a, a heartthrob, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I think he was a singer and he was on a TV show called The Nelsons. The Ricky like Nelson that. Show! No! Featuring the James Younger <laughs> gang. All I know is pretty popular back then. But he died young. What about Feathers? Do you remember her name? Only because I wrote it in the script. It's Angie Dickinson. Oh, yeah. And the love interest in this movie is Angie Dickinson. And this was her first film, as far as I remember. Like, I think this was her premiere. She was a good bit younger than John Wayne. Yeah. And sort of played the love interest, which created some tension on the set, from what I've read. Yeah. So before we get to the reviews... 
I thought we might do something a little bit different in these reviews. And I went and I found some of the trivia that they show on IMDb about this movie. And sometimes they have trivia on movies and it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just boring and might not all be necessarily true. But I thought a few of these things were pretty funny. And so I might read a couple of them. The sets for this movie are built to seven-eighths scale. So that makes the performers look even larger than real life. Isn't that sort of interesting? That is interesting. I know John Wayne always wore platform shoes because he wanted to look taller. Don't than... speak heresy in this house. <laughs> that man never wore anything but his God-given feet. He wasn't as tall as he comes across on screen. Oh, he wasn't actually six foot six. No, <laughs> he was not. John Wayne had deliberately moved away from Westerns after The Searchers, which is a film made in 1956. But none of his films since then had been particularly well successful or received. This film was a return to the genre for him. So how well did this movie do? It did very well in theaters. I mean, I thought it was a great movie. I just didn't know how well it went over in 1959. (laughs) Oh, this is a fun fact. On May 8th, 1958, just one week into shooting, Ricky Nelson celebrated his 18th birthday. Wow, he was young. And as a gift, John Wayne and Dean Martin gave him a 300-pound sack of steer manure, <gasps> which they then threw Nelson into oh my as a rite of passage. Now, I don't know if this story is true, but even if it's not, isn't it amazing? It's amazing. Come here, little Ricky. <laughs> we got something for you. Ozzie and Harriet. That was his parents. Everybody's heard of Ozzie and Harriet. I bet they never got tossed into a 300-pound no. sack of steer manure. And as I mentioned earlier, there is a big age discrepancy. John Wayne was nervous about the love scenes between Chance, which was his character's name, and Feathers, which was her character's name, since at the time he was 51 years old and Angie Dickinson was 26. Not going to make it that easy on you, Chance. Maybe that's why he seems so uncomfortable in the movie. (laughs) But, I mean, when they say love scenes, you're talking 1959, there was no... It's like that really wooden, rigid yeah, kind of kissing. Yeah, it's just like an like, embrace and a kiss. There's no And they don't even here. actually touch lips together. No. I don't think they turn away from the camera. There's no love scenes. Yeah, no it's love very scene. family friendly. It is. There's yeah. a great movie. Yeah. In the movie is one of my favorite Western songs. And the members of the oh, Western gosh. Writers of America chose the song, My Rifle, My Pony, and Me, as one of the top 100 Western songs of all time. Okay. And I don't know who the Western writers of America are. It might consist of 12 people. And those 12 <laughs> people might be the people that wrote this song. Yes, it might be. Here's something you may not know. Very early in the film, the cowboy killed by one of the characters that starts the trouble is played by Bing Russell, who just happens to be Kurt Russell's father in an uncredited role. Oh, that's cool. I figured you would find that interesting. Yeah, I like finding family connections in movies. And the last little bit of trivia that I'll give to you is Claude Aikens recalled that during filming, all the actors found themselves starting to talk like John Wayne. Wayne was not impressed by this. Not surprising. And if you were there, he would have hated you. He would have punched me in the face. <laughs> he would have punched and you in the face. He probably would have called me a commie. <laughs> he would have hated you. <laughs> what are you doing wearing a cowboy hat with shorts? <laughs> I'm not going to hit you. (laughs) Uh, We also didn't mention that Angie Dickinson was very much involved with the Rat Pack. 
back in the day. That's something I did not know. Yes. She hung out and played cards with Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin. They let women play cards with the Rat Pack? She was the only woman that they allowed to play. Was it because she was a great gambler or just because she was that cool? She was that cool. She wasn't in a relationship with them, I don't think, with any of them. It was just that she was cool enough to hang out with them and they didn't normally let women hang out. Well, she comes off as really cool in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, she's just a lot cooler. Like, she flusters John Wayne yeah. in this movie a lot. And I imagine some of that might have been real. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a really good movie. So, on our arbitrarily chosen scale of one to 12 dog treats, what would your rating be for this film and why? I'm going to give it an 11. Heresy. <laughs> 11 and a half. Heresy. 12. Fine. I'll let it pass. <laughs> It's a really fun movie. It's light. It has, you know, a murder, but it's not graphic or anything like that. And it's very family friendly. We let our kids watch it when they were young. It has a good story. The actors are really good. Aside from my rifle, my pony, and me. It's I, amazing. You should check it out. I mean, out. I liked it. If I could it, get by first, without getting a copyright strike, I'd play it. I liked it the first few times I heard it, but I got tired of hearing it because you would play it a lot. Because it's a great song. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just, you know, uncouth when it comes to music uh-huh. selection. Yeah, I really am. I really just like the movie. I thought it was very interesting. I bet if Zach Brown covered it, you'd like it. Maybe. If you like jazz it up a little bit. It is jazzy. It's crooner music. Okay, fine. Your rating <laughs> is a 12 out of 12. Wholeheartedly and individually chosen rating by your own lonesome. So Dean Martin plays the drunk in this um Movie. It's a big stretch for him. And they I call imagine. it like Albertone well, or something, but that's not how, but that's not how you really say it. Like they made that up or something. That doesn't mean drunk and well. An interesting thing I read is is that actually Dean Martin was known for carrying around a glass with apple juice in it, yeah. and he acted like he was drunk yeah. all the time. So it was sort of an act. I guess yeah. it was sort of his character. Now I'm not yeah. saying he didn't get wasted all the time, but I'm also saying that he you know, might not have always been as wasted as he presented himself. Probably not. He'd have to, like, you can't sit around and drink bourbon like that or whiskey, whatever. You can't do that. Not all day. No. I don't care who you are. No. So my rating for this movie is clearly 12 out of 12 because it's the best Western movie ever made. Well, I don't how care many what anybody says. That's the thing. Between one and two. Yeah, we haven't seen a lot of Westerns. I have seen several John Wayne movies, and I like several John Wayne movies, but this one... Outside of even Westerns, I would put this in my top five favorite movies of all time, even if it wasn't even just a Western category, because it's just a fun movie with a good story and good music that you love so much. Good, clean family fun. Yes, it is. (laughs) I love this movie. Watch the movie. Yeah, watch this movie. That's going to bring us to the portion of the show that we like to call Layla Layla and Coffee Coffee Talk. Talk. So what is it that they did this week? I don't even know. Well, Layla's been quite restless lately because Elijah went back to school. So at night, she has nowhere to sleep that she likes because there's no The house is apparently haunted. Yeah, she's so scared she of the house. She started getting scared and coming downstairs at night and wanting to come down to our room. But luckily, my mom's here now. So, so now can, we got a flunky. <laughs> yeah, so now she can protect her from the ghosts. It seems to be enough for her. She's, she's happy with it. When I take her upstairs when it's time to go to bed, she just comes right in here bangs through the door, presumably jumps up on the bed. Yeah, and Mama flops. says she gives her like a tiny little portion of the bed to sleep. It's a queen-size bed, so it should be big enough for a dog and a person, but Layla takes up 95% of it, I'd say. 
and Layla just drops down like a sack of rocks mm-hmm. and snores, and there's no moving her at that point. And Coffee barked at Mama very briefly, and then she got over it. She's uh, currently producing this show very well, I might add. So I think she's shaking the camera right now, and she may be eating the cables. <laughs> she's eating something. What is she doing? Oh, I think she's just dead. <laughs> she's not. She's you dead. know as she does. Yeah, so they've had a very exciting week having my mom come. And she she likes to get in our hot tub, so they like to run in and out of the door. And let us, all the air conditioning Yeah, out. they make us open the door and close the door, open the door, close That the door. is their job, to and let the air conditioning to out. to beg double for food because they get to beg for our food and her food. So they're really loving it. So it's a win, 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 win situation for yeah, our dogs. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. So if you'd like to find us online, you can go to scarysavannahandbeyond.com. You can find us on all social media platforms looking for the user at Scary Savannah. You can find exclusive episodes of the show on Patreon if you go to patreon.com forward slash Scary Savannah or search for Scary Savannah in the Patreon app. And there are a ton of episodes that you can download for as little as $3 a month. And you can also go to our amazing merch store and find yourself some cool shirts or stickers or all kinds of good things. If you go to our website, click on the store tab. It'll take you right to it. A lot of times they have sales going on and you can get yourself an awesome shirt or something to help support the podcast. And we love your support. Also, we don't have any coffee in here at all. I don't no, have coffee. I'm reduced to drinking unsweet tea from McDonald's, people. That's just terrible. That's just and I don't have anything. I know. We can't I, even. And I'm hot because I'm wearing this, know, this ridiculous I, outfit. That's why I couldn't do coffee tonight. I'm like, it's too hot. Well, you have iced coffee, maybe. I'm so thirsty. I've sweat through the shirt already, and it's just so hot. But I wouldn't say that to John Wayne if he was here, because not only would he punch me. Hey, you ain't a man if you can't wear that shirt. Look here, you little sissy man. <laughs> you little sissy. <laughs> I'm going to tell you how it's going to be right now. You in Colorado over there. <laughs> You That's go his get, name. You go get yourself you camels. <laughs> Dromedaries. Dromedaries. And we're going to ride them down to the river. Paint of gold. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to leave you with some parting words as we end our episode, and I hope that you enjoy them. <laughs> I'm not going to make it that easy on you. Join us next time in Savannah, where the ghosts and the good times live on. But do you know who don't? Who? I reckon if we go down to the Mississippi, we can find out if it perhaps might have been Colorado or Tuscalahoma or Jupiter. What about the red ghost, Hamill? Well, we'll ride the camels down and go find him at nightfall. Let's go. Maybe we'll find that gold. (laughs) 